Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 4. And um, I titled my message today, Yours for the Taking. Yours for the Taking. Because here's what we know about God. He has something for you that he wants to give you. He has a purpose and a destiny. He has equipped you. But what he's saying is, I want to give you something. I want to do something through you, but it's gonna have to be yours for the taking. You're gonna have to understand what it means to take hold of everything that God has for you. So to set up Exodus chapter four, just for a second, it's a very famous story. So if you've been in church for a little while, you'll know it. But if you're new to the whole church thing, I'll kind of catch you up to speed. So um, in Exodus, uh, at the beginning chapters of Exodus, it's the story of Moses. Moses is a Hebrew man. He is raised as a prince of Egypt in Egypt. And one day he finds out that he is a Hebrew and he's trying to reconcile all of this to figure out what it means. He has an altercation with an Egyptian man, ends up killing the Egyptian and ends up running for his life and runs into hiding into the wilderness. He joins a different tribe of people and he's hiding for 40 years in the wilderness. In Exodus chapter three, he is tending sheep and he rounds a corner and he's getting ready to be near a mountain and he sees this bush and it's burning in front of him. And the Bible says the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. And all of a sudden, God starts speaking through this burning bush to Moses. And if you've seen the Prince of Egypt or happen to have read the actual Bible, you know that the voice is telling him to go back to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But here's what's funny about Moses and here's what's funny about us. Moses is looking at a supernatural event happening in front of him. And then he has a hard time believing what the supernatural event is telling him to go do. He's saying, God, what you're telling me to do is impossible because I'm not equipped to do it while he's speaking to a bush that is on fire that God has chosen to speak through. Isn't that just totally a human thing? We experience something supernatural and it doesn't even last us another day. Then the next time something happens in our lives, we go, God, you can't do the impossible until he does. My God, you're the God of the impossible until the next impossible thing comes. But Moses is looking at this burning bush. He's talking with God and he starts giving God excuses on why he can't go back to Egypt. And it's exactly what we would do. So in Exodus chapter four, what I wanna preach from today, it leads us right into this. Moses is continuing to complain. He's arguing with God. And this is where it picks up in verse one of chapter four. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw the staff and turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab it, grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. So this is, it all comes to a head right here and God is looking at Moses and he's looking at what's in his hand and he's saying, Moses, I wanna use you And whether you believe it or not, I've already equipped you with the tool that it's going to take to do the mighty thing that I want you to do. But Moses could only see himself as ill-equipped and God is saying, I have already equipped you. What is that in your hand? 
So in a second, I wanna go through four principles that we're gonna pull from this story, four things we need to look at in order to take hold of everything God has for you. But I want to remind you of this before we go into these points. I wanna tell you everything that God has for you in this life is within your reach, everything. And, and really, I can even go as far to say biblically, everything that God has for you He has already equipped you and something is in your hand right now that he has already given you in order to accomplish what he has for you in this life. And and it's not the kind of success, I'm not talking about success that we think is success, I'm talking about purpose. I'm talking about calling. The reason why our creator created you, why? Why? And I'm willing to bet biblically when we look at this story and beyond that God, God has already given you what he needs you to have, he's already given you the tools in order to do it. So I wanna pull four principles from this story, four things we need to realize in order to take hold of everything God has for us. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes, we need to recognize what we have. You need to recognize what you have. Do you know what you have? Do you know what is in your hand? Again, in Exodus 4, 2, then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? Moses looks at his hand and he says, a shepherd's staff. What is that in your hand? And Moses says, it's a shepherd's staff. Guys, you could do an entire sermon series on Moses' response to this question. What's that in your hand? First of all, you need to know that God does not ask you questions. He does not ask you questions to enlighten himself. He asks you questions to enlighten you. So God wasn't like, I don't know what that is in your hand, Moses. I can't quite figure it out. He knows it's a wooden stick used to kind of get some sheep in order and to fend off Uh, predators, but he's asking Moses what's in his hand. So Moses will actually look at himself and go, what do you mean? This is a shepherd's staff. And if you could see God's facial expression, this is where he has that smirk on his face because God knows the next few chapters, what he's going to do through the staff of Moses. But in this moment, Moses is only looking at the shepherd's staff as a shepherd's staff. God is looking at it as a tool he's about to use, right? So what does it mean? The shepherd's staff represents a couple things. And first of all, it represents a shepherd's staff. But what does that mean? What does it mean that he was a shepherd? What it means is he was on the run for 40 years. He entered into a tribe that really didn't fully accept him because if they did, he wouldn't have been a shepherd. So he was a shepherd, which was the lowest possible occupation you could have in that time the lowest possible occupation. He was pushed to the outside. It was the job nobody wanted. He was living in poverty and he was tending sheep. And he was tending sheep actually when he walks up to the burning bush. So when God says, what is that in your hand? Moses is looking at it as a tool that can't be used for anything because it represents him being in poverty, him being pushed to the outside, him being looked at by the rest of society that nothing good can come from, that's why they pushed him out. And if you don't believe me, look at King David. When the prophet came to the house of Jesse, King David's dad, to anoint the future king, his own father didn't bring him in to be a choice for the future king. He was forgotten, why? Because he was out tending the sheep. So you go back to Moses and he was tending sheep. He was forgotten about, pushed out. So when God says, what's in your hand? The question was a response to Moses not knowing how God would use him. Then he says, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff. It represents him being an outsider and God, you can't use me because you can't use this. And then it also means, I want you to think about why Moses ran. Moses ran from Egypt because he had killed someone. 
So every morning for the 40 years when Moses stepped out of his tent to tend the sheep, he picked up his shepherd's staff. And you can imagine because many of you have been there. He picked up his shepherd's staff and what that staff meant to him was there was guilt in his past. He was carrying guilt. There was sin in his past. He was running from something. It represented a past he did not want to remember. But the shepherd's staff was an everyday thing that he had to remember and he had to look at it and go, this is why I'm not a prince of Egypt. This is why, because I had to run because of something I did. So God in this moment is supernaturally talking to Moses, saying he wants to use him to be the deliverer of millions of people. And he says, what's in your hand? And Moses says, this is something that represents me being an outcast. And it's something that represents a past I want to forget. And God says, I want to use that. So let me ask you, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because you have to recognize what you have. What's in your hand? You might be saying, well, nothing's in my hand. I wanna encourage you because there's a few things you need to know. God's not asking you and he didn't ask Moses and he's not asking you what's in someone else's hand. Because don't we do that? God, I wanna do something great for you. If I only had what they have, if I only had their marriage, I'm just a single mom. I've gone through a divorce. If I only had their money, if I only had that talent, if I only had that upbringing, I could do what you want. And God's looking at you going, I didn't ask you what they have or don't have. What is in your hand? What's already in your hand? Well, oh, it's just, it's just this, it's just this. I wanna encourage you. God doesn't need your talent. He just needs what's in your hand. He doesn't need strength. He just needs what's in your hand. He doesn't need intelligence, really. He just needs what's in your hand. Moses was a shepherd for 40 years. He didn't had no talent at that point other than just corralling sheep. And God says, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world and declare, let my people go. He didn't have talent. He didn't have intelligence that it, that it took. He didn't have any of these things. And God still said, what is in your hand? So what's in your hand? Is it some kind of a gifting? It could be a talent. It may not be any talent at all. It could be resources. It could be your past. Some of you are fighting a past that you're running from and God's saying, I want to use your story. Some of you, the greatest gift you have, what's in your hand may not even be something in you. It might be your children that you're raising. Sometimes we get so concerned with being world changers, we forget that our greatest gift sometimes is to raise them. What's in your hand, what your shepherd staff could be your kids. The second thing we need to look at from the story and we have to realize is we have to eliminate excuses. If you wanna take hold of everything God has for you, you have to eliminate excuses. Chapter four opens up with an excuse. Moses is still arguing and he says, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? I want you to look at this phrase, what if they? That phrase, what if they was Moses' excuse? And honestly, it's most of our excuse too. What if they, that phrase, has destroyed more dreams and more futures and more callings, I think, than any other phrase that we say or think. Because God says, I want to do something great through you, through your family, through your marriage. And the next thought we have is, but what if they say this? What if they, all the they's in my life, they put this stamp of identity on me. They said this about me when I was growing up. They said this about me when I went through that. And we start building up this they, and I wanna ask you, who are they anyway? Because most of the time when we are paralyzed by a they, they don't even exist. They don't even, I'll give you an example. 
I'm obviously a pastor, and we deal with a lot of they conversations. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, it's just the truth, and it's okay, it's our part of our job. So here's what happens, here's where I face a lot of they conversations. We get done with church, maybe we go through a tough season as a church, because churches go through tough seasons, right? Sometimes you go through a tough season, somebody will come up, meaning well, and they say something like, well, I know why they all left and went to that other church. Well, I know why they left, because they don't like the you know, worship like this. They didn't like the church name change. Well, they didn't like this and they don't think that you preach a blah, blah, blah. They, they, they. And I used to be paralyzed by this they to where I wouldn't lead, I wouldn't push, I wouldn't cast vision, I wouldn't lead even when God spoke because I was paralyzed by a they. But what I've learned is now in those conversations, even when people mean well, I just go, okay, cool. Who are they? Who are they? And people, most of the time people are like, well, they, you know they. And I'm like, I, I don't know they but I'm about to go home and cry myself to sleep. So who are they? I just need to know a they. Well, I, I, I can't tell you their names. You don't have to tell me their names. I just wanna know, do they have names? Are they real people? Well, you know, and most of the time what I found out is the person is using a they to get across what they want and their opinion toward you. And, I, and here's what's so interesting. The enemy will do the exact same thing to you. He will use a they to say, there's a reason you can't do what God's called you to do. They, but really it's only the enemy who doesn't want you to do it. But he makes up this they in your head. And I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Some of you, maybe you've made a mistake in your life. Maybe people in the church said, don't date that person. Don't do it, please. Or I don't know if I would accept that job or don't move your family here. And you did it anyways. And it ended up as a train wreck. And then all of a sudden you're like, I want to go back to church, but they they won't accept me because I feel guilty around them because they told me not to. And it's another one of the enemy's tactics because this is the one place where that they does this, just come home, this, just come home. But the enemy it builds it up in our minds as Christians are like this. And some Christians are, I'm not trying to tell you every Christian's like, welcome home. Some Christians are Pharisees and they're like, eh, you know, we can, we'll work on getting them out of here. You know, but let me just say, churches, this is who we are. Don't ever let a they stop you from being a part of the family of God. We have to eliminate excuses, eliminate excuses. The what if they question, that phrase, that question, it destroys dreams, it destroys futures, it destroys joy, it robs you of peace. I mean, think about how paralyzing social media has become. Now when you go on vacations, you're more consumed about what photos you're gonna take to post on Facebook to make people jealous rather than enjoying the time with your kids. We go on vacations for photo ops rather than just being in the moment because we are consumed by a they. They, how many followers, how many likes? Have you guys heard about the new Instagram thing where you are not gonna be able to see the, the like counts anymore? You're only gonna be able to see how many likes you have but on your feed, you'll no longer be able to see, I think it's starting this next week, how many likes other people have because the CEO of Instagram, who is not a Christian, is saying this is going in an unhealthy direction of comparison. We are bound by a they, bound by a they, and we cannot be because it's an excuse before God that stops us from fulfilling our dreams, purposes, and destinies. Number three, we have to give it to God. Talking about the shepherd's staff, we have to give it to God. Exodus 4.3 again says, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. I love reading the, you know, the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, because Moses wrote them. 
and Moses, I love when he's like writing about himself. He's like writing this story and then he goes, and Moses jumped back. You know, like it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. He also said he was the most humble man in the world later on. You're like, you know, whatever. So, but Moses writes this, he, he jumps back when the staff turned into a snake. I would jump back too. How many of you guys, if God's like, all right, give me what's in your hand and it turns into a snake. How many of you guys are like, God, seriously? How many of you guys just cannot stand snakes? Let's just be honest. If you do love snakes, you're still welcome here. We will have a salvation altar call at the end. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. So I, I am not a snake person whatsoever. And I've read this story so many times and you kind of get numb to, to some of these, these stories and how weird they are. But guys, let's just be honest. This is weird. He's talking to a burning bush. God's trying to convince Moses that he's God and that he can trust God. And then he says, all right, give me the shepherd's staff. You have to recognize what you have. You have to eliminate the excuses, Moses. Now you've got to give it to me. I want you to think about this, okay? So right now in his hand, this is, the, this is the interaction right now between him and God that really changed the course of humanity when you think about it. Because what would have happened if Moses didn't give God the staff that day? And he said, uh, it's mine. What would, the, what would human history look like? Yes, God is sovereign and he still would have worked out salvation somehow. We would still have Jesus, yes. But that day, what would have happened? How long would the Israelites have been in slavery? Would, have, would we have a Red Sea? Would we have a story of Jericho? Would we have the wilderness? Would we have all the promised land? What would we know? What would human history look like if Moses didn't throw down the staff when God said, and he said, nope, I'm going to keep it. But he didn't. He threw down the staff, the staff but then it turns into a snake. Now, here's the, here's the image I want you to get. When the staff is in Moses' hand and he's holding the shepherd's staff, it's literally a wooden stick. That's all it is. But it's something with potential, with potential. When he gives it to God is the only time what is with potential lives up to its potential. And what is so sad to me, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and what's so sad to me with teenagers and adults is there are people for their entire lives we will look at and say, they have so much potential. 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 But do you ever get tired of saying they have potential? And don't you ever just wanna look at yourself or other people and say they're living up to their potential? Don't you ever want that? In this, and with the shepherd's staff, when it's in his hand, it's with potential. But it's just a wooden stick. But when he gives it to God, it's about to do the wonders of heaven on earth. That's the interaction that God's having with many of you right now. I just want what's in your hand. I just want what's in your hand. You know, when we think about what's in our hand, when we think about it, I wanna read a couple of phrases to you that I wrote down. God won't use anything you have until you give it to him. He won't use it. Because I want you to think about why. The very reason you love God is the reason why he won't do this. Because God isn't going to force himself on you. Yeah, I believe God is sovereign and he works all things out. He works all things out, but we still have personal choices and personal responsibility. So God is looking at you and he's saying, what are you gonna do? Because as long as we don't give God everything, I wanna say this too, if, God, if, I don't have, if I don't give God everything, then God doesn't have all of me. If I'm holding on to something and not giving it to God, then he doesn't have all of me. And what's sad to me too is there are so many believers walking around, living their lives, feeling and thinking and hoping they're in a relationship with God and it's all that God wants for them and they're hoping, is this it? I don't know. And they think they have a genuine 
full connection relationship with God, but genuinely they're holding on to something they haven't given God. And God is saying, until I have all of you, you don't have all of me. I am not your real God unless you give me your smaller false gods. And in this moment, the shepherd's staff was his comfort blanket and God saying, I want you to give me that. And if I'm being super honest with you, I've grown up in church my whole life and this is what Jesus said it to in the New Testament. The thing most of us are holding on to that God's saying, yes, I have 90% of you, 95% of you, but the thing most of us hold on to, if we're being honest, is money. Jesus said it would be the biggest competitor for our hearts, him and money, right? And that's most of us. You know, we, we have a church, we pass offering buckets. You guys just pass offering buckets. We do the same thing. One of the biggest complaints we get about our church is that we pass offering buckets. And I'm like, well, man. I and mean, people will leave the church going, they, they talk about money every single week. And I'm like, we do, we do. Because we talk about the offering every week. And the same people who are so mad about a church taking an offering, they're sure enjoying the childcare. They're sure enjoying the church service. They're sure enjoying the air conditioning and the heating. They're sure enjoying the Thanksgiving outreaches we're doing and the outreaches for the schools and the outreaches for the kids. And we're sure enjoying that. But God forbid we do what the Bible says and says, let's all give our money. Let's sacrifice and let's build a church that can truly change a region and change a world. That's the truth. But God's saying, I, I, I need that. Now, here's the thing. God's not gonna force himself on you. He's not gonna say, give me your, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And the truth is money has most of our hearts. And that's the problem. That's the problem. So yes, the Bible talks about the tithe. The Bible talks about generosity. But we have to move past. Because as long as I'm holding on to this money going, God, have all of it. Have me. I pray for my children. God, I need them to be rescued. I pray, pray, pray. God, our marriage, I need rescuing. I mean, we pray for all of these things. And God's like, hey, I love, yes, I'm working all those things out. I'm not saying you give. And that's when God answers prayer. That's not what I'm saying. But isn't it interesting our mindset? God, I want you to do all of these things for me. And God's saying, yes, I love you. And I'm working those things out. But do you really, do you remember, hold on. Do you remember that you're worshiping another God behind your back? Because until we give him this God, he's not our full God. And that's the truth. So for some of you, it's money. For some of you, it's resources. For some of you, it's time, talent, giftings. For some of you, it's a past experience. But God's looking at something saying, if you give me what's in your hand, you throw it down, you will see the wonders of God, the wonders of God. The fourth thing we need to pull from the story and we have to realize is we have to pick it back up. So we give it to God. And then this is the scary part though. He tells us to pick it back up. Exodus 4, 4, then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So it's obviously a snake on the ground. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. I think it's so interesting that God has such a strange way of taking us from where we are into the calling and future that he has for us. He has, all through the Bible, he has strange ways, and, and it's true today. Because think about this. Of all the things that God could have turned the shepherd's staff into, it was turned into a snake. Of all things. I, that's when I, I'll be super honest. I know I'm supposed to be a pastor and godly and everything, but the moment I'm in this interaction with God and I throw that staff down and it turns into a snake, I'm like, Peace out, God. Israelites, have a great life in Egypt. I'm out of here. God's like, pick it up. And I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm gone, you know? And, and, but Moses is looking at this, and you gotta wonder. Moses is looking at this snake going, why is this a snake? Why? I mean, I, I'm, I'm reading this again. It, it become numb to it, but you read these stories again. Like, God, why couldn't you have turned it into a white stallion? 
and said, and this will be your steed that you will ride into Egypt and, and overthrow the empire. But it's a snake. It's a snake. And then God does this other crazy thing. Not only does it scare him, because Moses wrote that he jumped back. Not only does it scare him, God says, okay, now you got to pick it up. If you want to do the wonders that I'm talking about, you're going to have to pick it back up. But then he goes a step further. Not only does he say, pick it up, he gives an extra little detail. Pick it up by the what? Tail. Now, I'm no snake expert. But one thing I know is you do not pick a snake up by its tail. If you pick a snake up by its tail, there is a 100% chance you will be bitten. You pick up a snake right behind the head. If you're brave enough or crazy enough, you pick a snake up right behind the head. So when its jaws are flapping, it cannot bite you and its fangs will not sink into your hand. But God says, Moses, he's been in the wilderness for 40 years. He's encountered snakes. And God's like, okay, I want you to pick it up. Hold on, by the tail. Can you imagine being Moses going, God, I already told you I don't even wanna go. I don't even wanna go. You're trying to convince me to go. And then this is what you do. But Moses could sense the presence of God calling him. For 40 years, he had been running from God and now he's encountering him. And God is saying, go Moses. And he could sense this thing, but he said, the next step, it's gonna look like fear, but it's actually going to build your faith. It's gonna look like something that's gonna bite you. But if you trust me, it's gonna turn into the tool that will do wonders in my name. For many of you, I mean, can you imagine when Moses is like reaching down? Here's what has to go through his mind. He's gritting his teeth, closing his eyes, and he's reaching down to grab this snake going, God, if you aren't who you say you are, if you do not come through and pull through on this, I am going to die. And he reaches down and he grabs the snake by the tail and it starts turning back into the shepherd's staff. And then now something that was once with potential has the potential and power of God that will lead a nation out of Egypt, right? Isn't that just like God? God will take you to the edge and say, wait, there's one more detail. I'm gonna make you do something. I'm gonna ask you to do something or go through something where you will not be able to accomplish this in your own strength. I'm gonna take you to the edge of something to where when my wonders happen, you won't be able to hold up your shepherd's staff and say, look what I did. For the rest of Moses' life, he would hold this up and say, look at what God did, right? So here's what God will do. You look, at, you look at Peter in the New Testament. He's about to walk on water and Jesus had to, he wanted to build the church on Peter. And he's had him to take Peter out of a boat to step out onto the water in a storm. And otherwise, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, Peter would die. I mean, even a few chapters later after this story with the burning bush, the Israelites finally get through the, the wilderness. They're going into the promised land and there's Jericho, a fortified city that they cannot win against. And they think they're gonna go to war with swords and spears. And they get there and God goes, actually, I want you to walk around it. And then when you're done, I want you to yell, blow trumpets and bang on pots and pans. That's God's plan. And you sometimes look at God's plan and you're like, God, we're gonna die this is a matter of life and death. This is not a game. I, if you're laughing in heaven right now, it's not a game, but God takes you to these places and does something strange to get you to step out on the water where if he's not who he says he is, you'll die. But here's what's awesome about God. He is who he says he is. That's the truth about God. He is who he says he is. Some of you, 
picking up that snake and turning it back into a shepherd's staff looks like reaching into a past you want to forget. And God's saying, but that story can transform lives. Look at the redemption from the story. You may not want to look back, but I'm asking you to reach down at the thing that might bite you, but watch what it will turn into when you pick it back up. For some of you, it's reaching into a gifting or a talent that maybe you've dismissed or you don't think you have. Maybe the resources you don't think you have or giving financially when you're looking at your life saying, we don't have enough money to even survive. How am I going to give to God? And God's saying, reach down and grab the snake by its tail and watch the wonders that will come from it. God is so faithful. God is so faithful. He has been there every step of my life. And I wanna challenge you in closing and, and tell you a quick story about my family and why this is so important, this interaction with God. Some of you are at a crossroads in your life right now and God's saying you're holding the shepherd's staff and God's saying basically this, are you gonna give it to me? Are you gonna say yes? Or are you gonna say no? Are you gonna live with potential? Or are you gonna give it to me and step into the life I have for you? Yes or no? Because it's, it's a generational impact. Generations will depend on your decision today whether or not to go all in with God or to stay out. My dad, all growing up, was told by teachers and his parents were constantly brought into meetings that he had learning disabilities, dyslexia, and he did have learning disabilities, dyslexia. He was told that, he, that he, by, to his parents in front of him, you need to be realistic. He's probably not going to graduate high school. You, he will definitely not be able to go to college. You need to start being realistic about your son. And there's something in my grandparents that didn't, they wanted to be realistic, but they didn't want to fully accept the nail in the coffin on their son's future. When my dad was 16 years old, he went to a church camp and in that church camp in the altar that night, the pastor was talking about calling and my dad responded to the altar call and felt God calling him into full-time ministry to be a pastor. And he, he told me the other day when I was writing this message and talking to him about it, he said, I remember being 16 years old and saying, God, I, there's no way. I can't, I can't even hardly talk. I, I, I'm stuttering, I have dyslexia. I've been told that they in my life, my whole life have said, you're never going to, you're not going to, you're not capable. I wanna say yes, but I can't. And he just said he felt the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power come upon him and just said, just say yes. And that day, my dad, when we were having this conversation, said all I had to give God, my shepherd's staff, was willingness and availability. That was all I had. No talent, no nothing. I was just willing and said yes. And I wonder if my dad that day didn't throw down his shepherd's staff would I be a Christian? Would my two brothers be Christians? Would I be married to Mandy? Would we be stepping into the lead role of our church? My younger brother, uh, my middle brother is a pharmacist, an extremely godly man who's on our church board. His wife helps run our whole women's ministry. His two kids wanna be at church more than anywhere else in the world. Our family, our kids love the house of God. Our 14-year-old son this summer got baptized and called to ministry, preached his first sermon this summer. Yeah, pretty awesome, right? Our, my youngest brother, Brandon, he and his wife met in the church. They're in full-time ministry. They're gonna be planting a church in the next couple of years. They have two little kids, love the house of God. And I'm looking at this generational impact. And it goes back to my dad at 16 years old going, yes or no. Your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren depend on your yes or no today. Can God have what's in your hand or can he not? It's a shepherd's staff or it's something that will do the wonders of God. I wanna read just a few things in closing of what this shepherd's staff ended up doing. It was used to confront the sorcerers of Pharaoh's court. 
It was used to turn the waters of Egypt into blood, to bring frogs upon the land in the plagues, to cause lice throughout all the land of Egypt, to bring thunder and hail, to bring an east wind that brought the locusts, to cause the waters of the Red Sea to stand up like a wall, to cause the bottom of, of the sea to dry up so they could pass through, to cause the waters of the Red Sea to come back upon Pharaoh's armies, to cause water to flow from the rock of Horeb to supply their needs and thirst. Number 11, to bring victory over the Amalekites. And the list goes on and on and on. And it all goes back to this one little moment when God says, what's in your hand? Throw it down. Yes or no. Yes or no. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.